0: Praise the Lord. This is brother Julius again. I'm going through the book of Titus in this teaching. And we're in Titus chapter 3. And Apostle Paul was talking to Titus about how to set up, how to appoint elders in Crete where he was, in every city. And then he went and exhorted him on what is the qualification for the Elders as he's to appoint, and more explanation on how the older we- women should teach the younger women in chapter 2, that the younger women should love their husband and love their children and he said a p- title should be an example of that also in the fact that you have sound speech Showing the, he showing himself as a pattern of good works and he said the grace of God has been given to all men inviting everybody to come and deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and live soberly. The grace is making us to be able to do that. The grace is the power of God inside the free gifts that is inviting everybody to come and receive. As men are receiving he gave them this power to become the sons of God. Now we're going to chapter 3 and continuation of the exhortation that Apostle Paul was gi- given to to the body of Christ through Titus and he said this is what you will be teaching. Verse 1 chapter 3 of Titus chapter 3, he said, put them in mind who are the term, We the believers, that is the people in Crete is teaching of course, put the believers in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Now when he says principalities and powers, now he's talking about the rulers of this current world. The physical rulers. It's not saying the devils, because sometimes the word principalities and powers is used in the scripture to represent satanic forces that are ruling in the spirit world. But in, in this context, in chapter three, it's talking about the the rulers, the governors, the police, and all this type of thing that are ruling the physical world, the make laws, the magistrates, the court. So that be subject to them because they are the ones that are right now keeping the peace or not through all the laws and the and the legal things that they have set up said so be subject to them and be ready to be to be ready for to every good work you know if you're not subject to them he says in another place that these people are not holding the the rod for nothing anyone that is not subject to their rules and laws will have to face imprisonment and so, on and so forth that's why he's saying for believers shouldn't be in that situation where they are Putting you in prison for, for not paying your tax and this, there are a place where you draw the line. Though you draw the line when they are, when their laws and policies is make is contrary to the law of God. You see the law of God first, then the obedience to the law of the land. That's what he saying in verse one. He said, "Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work." Because when you can see in the scriptures in the days of Daniel. They made a law that everyone that Nebuchadnezzar said this, everybody must bow down to this statue. And their law said they should not bow down to images. And these three Hebrew men refused to bow. Yes, that's like they disobeyed the principality. But they were, because the law of God is above the law of the land. So if if you are obeying the law of God and so the law of the land says you should disobey God, then you can say no, I will not disobey God. But you must be able to suffer the consequence of them being angry at you. And, but then God will be the one they are, you, are, you are suffering for. That is permitted. God is the one you are suffering for when the law, that the evil law they have put out, is contrary to the law of God and you refuse to obey their evil law. And then God will be defending you. And if God does not even defend you and you are punished, God will be paying you back. You have to remember that. You see an example of that in the ebook Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew of Hebrews chapter 11 that there are others that suffer cruel mocking because they refuse to do what the evil laws is saying. They suffer imprisonment because they refuse to do what the evil law of the men of the world tell them to do. And God said they are men of faith. So there will be cases where God will allow his own people to suffer persecution like that or to suffer under the evil laws of the world. And there will be a case when God will step in to show signs and wonders like He did for Daniel in the lion's den. When they say, well, nobody should pray, and Daniel said, well, I will have to pray to my God. And they throw him to the lion's den for disobeying the edict of the king. Then God was there to deliver him. Just God was there to deliver him to show signs and wonders that God is well pleased with Daniel. And God is to be feared. When Nebuchadnezzar threw those boys into the fire, they were also standing firm that they are not going to do so contrary to the God of heaven. And Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fire, right? but God was there to deliver them as a sign that God is there to deliver His own people. If they have died in that fire, it doesn't matter, they will go to heaven. But Nebuchadnezzar was punished, even though these boys were not killed in the fire, but Nebuchadnezzar was punished for even disobeying, what for even throwing them in the fire in the first place why you see the punishment of them that's why he was turned to animal because he violated the law of god by his, by when they say our god will do will deliver us and he still threw him in the fire that means he didn't fear their god so that was why nebuchadnezzar was punished now so what we are saying then that when apostle paul in chapter three of titus said that put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates to be ready to every good what is saying is according to the as long as the law of the land is subject to the law of God. If you are obedient to the law of God, the law of God is take priori- preeminence, take priority. So if the law of the land is means telling you you should obey the law of God, you must obey the law of God. And you may be ready to suffer the persecution or the punishment from the men of the world, but don't be afraid, God is going to defend you and you'll be pleasing God. So that i just explain that in, in that Putting them in mind to be subjects of principalities and powers. Verse 2 says continuation that what it should be teaching, what titles should be teaching the people is that to, that people should speak evil of no man. We believers should speak evil of no man. That we should be no brawlers, as the original, they call these the fighters, call it, call it always call it. No. Be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Speak evil of no man, be no brawlers, be gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. That is the life God has called us unto. But still, therefore, we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lusts and pleasures, just like everybody in the world before we were saved. Living in malice, that's wanting to hurt somebody that hurt us. And living in envy and hateful and hating one another, that was how we were also before, just like them. See, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the watching of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, the Apostle is now just reminding Titus and everybody that we have to remember when we say we should be gentle towards all men, all these men that are unbelievers may be mean, they may be evil, they may be, well, we have to. The gentle towards them, knowing that we were once like that too, before Christ saved us. We were all mean, evil, want to hurt somebody that hurt us, or hurt somebody before they hurt us, want to steal, want to get bribery to get well for ourselves. Or know the, all of those things that we are accusing the world of, we were once like that also. I remember the story of a, a woman that I was witnessing to, and she was uh, thinking of separating herself from her husband. And I asked, I said, they were. he said, what was the reason why you want to separate, or maybe they are separate? I can't remember. She said, the man was a drunkard. I said, you were both unbelievers. Is that correct? Yeah, they were both unbelievers, and both of you were drinking alcohol before you were, before you get married. Yeah, they were both drinking alcohol, and then now they were getting their marriage. They are still both drinking alcohol, but. These, Now to the woman she saw that the man has gone to extreme alcoholism and so she wanted to separate from the man for going to extreme alcoholism and I was asking her that extreme because both of them were sick before all all along it's like they were both sick all along that's what it is alcoholism is sickness I said if the man has been sick of cancer will you separate yourself from him for being sick of cancer he said, well, not really. So what you are classifying that alcoholism, that you, is, both of you are both alcoholics, even though you are drinking moderately, before you even get married and after you get married. But now you are seeing that she, that man has gone way into alcoholism that he couldn't even control himself anymore. And now you want to separate from him. It's just like he was really sick now, about to die of cancer. And now you are thinking that's the right time to separate from him. That's what where is the forever for, forever for worse that you get sworn to one another. See? What I'm trying to point out is that many people they forget that they were once like that too and they wanted to condemn these other people. And that's what Apostle Paul said in his letter to Titus here that we shouldn't, also, we shouldn't forget that we were once like that. In verse 3, we ourselves also were pastors, sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived. Serving divers laws and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hating and hating, hateful and hating one another, until Christ came and saved us. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So it is God that saved us. So now we should be kind and gentle and merciful to those who have not been saved yet. Maybe they will still be saved and those who are in utmost sinful behavior, we should be merciful towards them. And that's what it's saying, that it is the only Ghost that renewed us. In verse 6, it says, which God shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So the call of God on our life is to make us heirs of salvation. And those that have not received the call yet, we should be merciful toward them and gentle toward them. That's really what he was saying in verse 2. In verse 2 here, when he said, Speak evil of no man, be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. To all men, both unbelievers and believers, showing all meekness. Because we can remember we were once like that too, in their rage and anger and all those evil things, until Christ saved us. And so we should be merciful to all Now in verse 8, he continuing, Titus chapter 3 verse 8, he said, this is a faithful saying. These things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now that Bible verse is, is a, important. He said, you want want Titus and that means every everyone that is teaching and preaching to always affirm it, to always repeat it to the people that we that believe God might be careful to maintain good works. We are that peculiar people. And he I say we have to be zealous of good works. So the good works as we are zealous of is the gentleness, the kindness, helpful to people. Not hateful, but help, helpful. That is the good works we should be zealous to do. To help humanity, to help those that are still in darkness to see the light. That they can be shamed, Christ can shame them. Gently offering them to pray for them. And those are all the good works he said that we should be careful to maintain good works. Verse 9 of Titus chapter 3. But avoid foolish questions. Now this is another caution is given to Titus who is the pastor in that place. And uh, as the pastor many people will come to him to ask questions. Uh, you guys say Jesus is the only way, they will ask questions about that. You guys say there's heaven, they will ask you about that. They see a pastor, or a preacher, they want to bombard the pastor, or a preacher with questions that sometimes they are like foolish questions. That's why he said avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law because the other Jews are coming in and putting forward the, the law of Moses. He said these are like a Strives about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. So Apostle Paul says, Apostle Paul is saying there are sometimes he just ignores some of the questions, some of the people we ask, because he said they are not profiting. It's going to cause some conflict. It's going to cause some strife. So they are vain things that they're doing. We shouldn't even be talking about this. That's what he said. If somebody is posting some foolish questions before you, just to challenge your religion, say don't don't waste your time with those type of debate and argument. Just smile and leave them alone and pray for them, if you can do, if they might be saved. In another place, he said that, by adventure they might be delivered from the, from the bondage of Satan that they have been caught in. But you just pray for them. But you keep yourself away from foolish questions. And he give an example, genealogies, and contentions, and strife about the Lord, which was rampant in their generation that the Jews are trying to put forward. First thing, a man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. So he's more or less trying to lay some rules down in the midst of the believers, he said. Because when they are gathered together, there could be some people that kept emphasizing some things. He said, if you admonish the man not to, not to emphasize those type of things because it's not necessary or it's not important or it's, causing, it's going to cause division, it's going to cause strife among the believers. He said if you, if you admonish him the first time and it is repeated again, that's what he meant by after the first and second admonition. You admonish him the second time and you wanted to repeat the same thing again, he said now don't reject him, don't let him come to your ministry anymore. That's what it means, reject him. I remember going to a, a, a city one time on a trip and then on the Sunday we decided to go and just look for any... Pentecostal church that we can fellowship with on a Sunday morning. The, that's, that's the only one Sunday that I will be in town. It was actually me and my wife that went on that uh, business trip. She just went on a, along to enjoy the vacation. So we went to this church and it was a very small church, but uh, they are Pentecostals. And the pastor and his wife were, the, were leading the fellowship. And there was an older gentleman, very old. I say older man; he should be in the seven, in the seventies. That was in the church. So when the pastor was preaching, this elderly man, he was kind of trying to to say to to do something that the, the pastor didn't like. He was trying to say something. He wanted to more or less say something. He said, "I he has something to say." But because of we are just visitors, because of the history of the man, they didn't want him to to say anything. They just asked him to sit down, and he said he he, he had to say it, and he, he more or less disrupting it was disruptive to the fellowship. It was after or during. The, I think it was after the pastor's or oh, the wife of the pastor has actually preached, and the man just stood and said, "Well, I, I need to say what I have to say," and then when Mr. Azu sit down. This is not the time for that. He said, but you has to see it. Said, uh, and it become disruptive. We are just wondering what's going on here in the church. Like, it's just a church of not more than 15 people. And the man was the oldest person there. And I was thinking it was related to the pastor. I mean, in the bloodline. But we know it was not related. It was just one of the people that come to their church. To the point that the pastor has to call one of the ushers to come to, to and walk him out they walked the man out and he was not a visitor but they say he has done it before he has done it over and over before he would try it and he was preaching something that is not congenial to what the gospel says and they say the man has his own website and when they check out his website he has some of those new age things that is more of new age doctrines and that's why they didn't want him to to be talking in their congregation because the new agers believe that God is just a force in, in the universe. And they try to say some, they are feelings of vibrations. They are feelings of energy. And so these are new ages. So all of those type of things. And they saw it in on his website. And this man will come to their church fellowship. And try to take over. Try to talk. Try to preach his doctrine. And they try to silence him. But when we were there, the man, perhaps wanted to take advantage of it. They are so that they will not, they shut me down. And then they shut him down, they walk him out. And then the pastor was trying to apologize to me that he's the minister of the gospel. And they was Apologizing to me that this that man was saying, I said, Well, yeah, that's what the apostle Paul said. You see, I was wondering what in the world is going on. But when they told me that the man has done it before, and they have checked his website and found out what his doctrine is, it's not in line with the Bible, in the gospel and it's new-aged things I knew them because I've seen some of those things in some of those websites so I knew that they said they have talked to him before not to try to preach those things in the congregation and, they, and he's not a preacher but he, because he's the oldest person he will stand up and try to talk He's his about something year old and the pastor like 50 something year old and you are talking of younger generation so that was and then I just pointed to this Bible verse to them that yeah if you pastor you are the pastor of the congregation you have the right to do what you did if the Apostle say after the first and second admonition reject as i give that pastor this bible verse title chapter 3 verse 10 see that was what apostle is mentioned if a man is an heretic after the first and second admonition then reject him you are the pastor you have the right to say don't come to our congregation anymore you are disruptive you are preaching doctrine we don't believe that the bible doesn't support we don't want you to come over here you can come and listen and learn from what you are saying maybe you change your doctrine maybe you will become understanding the Word of God better. But if you are trying to push what you are pushing, you are trying to push your false doctrine, we say don't push it here because it's not right. And you kept trying to push it to us, then we want you not to come over here. That is what I told, I said. That is what Apostle Paul was referring to in Titus chapter 3, verse 10. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. After you talk to him the first time, and he did, did it again, Talk to him the second time and he still do it again. He wanted to push his doctrine on you. Tell him not to come to your congregation anymore. Of course, if he is the owner of the congregation, then you just leave his congregation, don't go there anymore. That's all you can do. If he is the pastor is the owner of the congregation and is preaching heresy, then you don't go there anymore. If you say I want to talk to him about what he is preaching and he does not accept it, you separate yourself from him. But if you are the pastor and somebody is coming to to take over your congregation by preaching what he believes is what they, what they are new age or new what their doctrine says and you don't accept it, it's not the gospel you have the right to tell him that brother we love you but we don't want you to preach that uh, it's not the bible point to him from the bible, he does not agree with the bible basically you can freely come and listen maybe God will sh- make you or see the light better but don't come and teach. don't come and preach don't come and stand up and say you want to preach anything so, if you say the first time, the second time I still come to continue, then tell him not to come anymore. If you see him at your door, just tell him to leave. And that is what that pastor did or that, they just walked the man out. And that was when they came and explained to me that the man was just... He one someone that had been coming and they have told him this twice and he kept coming. And each time they came and wanted to, to preach his doctrine. And that's why they didn't let him talk. He said, I have something to say. And they said, no, you don't need to say anything. And he refused to sit down. And that's when they told him to walk out. And we that are stranger, he said, what's going on in this church? And the pastor came and explained to, to me personally at the end of the fellowship. And I said, oh, okay. That's what the Bible was saying. Apostle Paul said, say it this way. I gave the pastor that title, chapter 3, verse 10. That's what he meant. And he, he said, thank you. Now let's go on in chapter 3, verse 11. And that's why Apostle Paul is saying against him: a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition rejects, knowing that he that is such is subverted, that is, is, is crooked in his mind, and seeing it, being condemned of himself. If anyone that is an heretic and keep push, pushing his heresy, and you told him not to not to push it because uh, it is false, and he kept pushing it after this. Second admonition is still want to keep doing it, just tell him not to come to your mission. That's why I say reject him. Don't let him come to your conclusion anymore. To poison the mind of people that are innocent. Verse 12. Now Apostle is going to wrap wrap up this letter. So when I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. So Apostle is wrapping up this letter now. He say, Well, I'm going to send either Artemis or Taikikos, so that they will, they will be your place you come over and visit at Nicopolis. They say, I've determined there to winter. In those days, they always, when the winter season comes, because they don't have airplanes in that generation, they go by roads and so on. If they do in winter, every road is locked down, people don't travel around. So they, that's why they, they just go to a place and, in the city and just stay in the city until winter is over. It could be three months or two months of snow where all the roads are, 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 are filled with snow, they couldn't move around much. So, and everything place is cold. So, they always say they winter in the place. You stay there for almost two months until the weather changes. And that's why he said that he, he, he went to w- winter in Nicopolis and he said, you can come over there and that's where I'm going to winter, you meet me over there. Verse 13, bring Senans, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently. That nothing be wanting unto them now. I believe that Zenas and Apollos were the people that must have taken this letter to Titus because these people they just go from place to place after they have stayed there for a while. Maybe they want to visit Crete and they say, we oh, are going to Crete, let me give this letter to Titus. And that was why I believe that Zenas and Apollos that while on their journey they are not going to be in Crete permanently they're just going to go there and visit and then they will go on so that when they come send them away with, a, with some good help that's what he said. bring them on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting unto them because they might need some help donation, financially or some food so help them because you are the pastor and the congregation can contribute some money and help the people that are going on their journey for the gospel apollos was also a preacher verse 14 and he said let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses what do you mean by ours now that's what i was explaining in the earlier chapter because the church was almost splitting into two where you have people that are believing in circumcision the jews that said where well, they want to still follow the circumcision law of moses which the other people in, in Judea, the apostles said, well, they don't have to be circumcised. Let them just keep and stay away from fornication and from meat over to idols. But the other Jews that still want to preach as well, kind of become a little bit separated in their mind, but they still come along, they come along, they don't form their own church. They come along, but they call, the apostles call them, they are the people of the circumcision. And then, then that are with Apostle Paul and the and Barnabas and the Gentiles, they are called, that's when you say, they are our own. So that's what he meant when Apostle Paul said, "Let ours also that is people that belong to our own team, let them learn to maintain good works. All as mean learn to maintain that is these people are going about sit doing preaching. Senors and Apollos who are of the circumcision, they go about teaching and preaching here and there. Say, let ours also do the same thing. Don't just you don't just sit home and, and do nothing. Do go about and do the work of the ministry also have uh, exhort one another, teach, be evangelistic also. That's what he meant by let ours also." Learn to maintain good works. It's a good work when you are preaching for preaching the gospel. Or uh, it's a good work when you go to another place to visit them and exhort them. It's a good work doing the work of Christ. Exhorting one another. You don't have to be traveling evangelists to do that. You can just visit one time and exhort. Or you want to help the poor. Whatever it is, whatever you are doing, let us also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. That they be not unfruitful. Because he believed that apostles and sinners going about, they are being fruitful in whatever they do. And what they do is to exhort and teach. Even though they may be teaching something that may not be completely right. But he said, at least they are doing something. Verse 15. All that are with me, salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. So that's how Apostle Paul had this letter of Titus. Saying, salute the other people that we are on this side, we salute you god bless you we are filling the book of titles praise the lord if you have any question please call 080-334-36944 that 80 080-334-36944 you can also call our number 080-338-69812 that is 080-338-69812. One two, Any of those phone calls, somebody will answer your call and they will pray along with you. Again, the two numbers are 80 338 80 338 Or you may call 080-334-36944. That is 080-334-36944. Somebody will be answering your call. God bless you.